Welcome teacher sellers to the Grow with Angie and April podcast. Angie and April are two full-time teachers pay teacher sellers who chat with each other daily about their businesses. They're opening up their conversations to help you grow your teacher store. Are you ready to listen in? Here we go. Today we have a special guest on to talk about designing email opt-ins. We'll be also sharing some of our own ideas for non-traditional email opt-ins that go beyond offering a free resource or sample. Join in on the conversation about this in our mastermind group at growwithusmastermind.com. You can find the show notes and any links we discuss at growwithuspodcast.com slash episode 28. Hey Angie, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Can't complain. No. So we're talking about email opt-ins. I'm super excited. We feel like we should have done this episode a long time ago. I know because we've done those email episodes, but haven't really focused on the opt-in too much. So this will be nice. Yeah. We talked about how to set up your email sequence. And I think that was basically the focus of those two episodes we did. So this one is going to be how do you get people into that sequence? So we're pretty excited about that. And we have a special guest today. We have Sarah from Biz Template Babe. And Sarah does some pretty awesome email opt-in templates as long as, as well as some other things. So we're excited to talk to her about some of her ideas on the topic. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Hey, ladies. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up starting a business creating Canva templates for entrepreneurs? Because that's definitely a niche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was blogging a couple years back. I've gone through a couple transformations in business and life. I think like a lot of people do. So no shame there. It's just a progression that gets you to where you are. Um, so it's funny how I kind of ended up here. First area, I was actually an interior designer for a long time. And in interior design school, we had to learn everything Photoshop, Adobe based. Everything was presentation based that we would pitch to our clients for mood boards and booklets and even signing and wayfinding. And so I became a graphic designer doing it too, because it was a huge part of the project for sales pitches. And so a little bit after that, I went into blogging and really wanted to learn how to, to leverage the internet and blogs to be able to build a business. And so I became went down that road and learned everything there was about sales pages and landing pages and funnels and Facebook ads and all those things. And through the midst of it, I realized that I had so many pieces of the puzzle to create. Um, and even with my, my fine, fine arts degree background as a designer, it was taking me a lot of time to get each of those things done. In addition, I was learning all of those different pieces and outside of just designing the pieces you need for the content and running a full-time business. And so it became extremely overwhelming and it was taking me so much time, even as a designer. And so I said, there has to be a smarter way to go about this so that this isn't taking me as long. And so that's when I came up with the ideas of, okay, let, I'm going to do templates. I'm going to do templates for every single thing that I need to do when it comes to the content side. And that way, regardless of whether it's a blog post or an ebook or whatever it is, I already have it done and I can just change out the text, change out the images and have it done faster. And the idea originally came from, I had noticed that a lot of the pros online in the digital marketing space um, have templates when it comes to sales copy flow, email campaign flow, even Facebook ads and stuff like that. Uh, many times you see that same kind of template when it comes to the copywriting and tech side, but I hadn't seen it so much when it came to the creative side. And so that's when I decided to create them for myself 
And then soon after being in the entrepreneur space, people were just like, I need this stuff. And that's when the idea came, you know what, let's, let's bring this to the market and, and help other small business owners master and get their time back too. I was saving like 50%. 60% more on my time um, after using these. So it was really fun to see other business owners be able to benefit from that too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the similar story for us and our audience too. You know, we just started making resources for our classrooms because we could not find them and we didn't have access to really good curriculum. And so once we started making them, we put them out there and, and other people were like, wow, this saves me so much time or I really love this activity. I would never have thought about it. And then it randomly turned into a business. <laughs> well, not randomly, but you know, it just kind of grows into something and you look back at it and think, when did that, like, how did this happen? How did I end up here? So that's really cool. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's crazy how life will take its course and just like put you into the right direction. So it's fun. Oh, and I met, forgot to mention actually, but the reason that I chose the Canva side of it was I had worked in Adobe for many, many years um, in those more expensive and you know more techie programs in design. Photoshop, but I realized that the average business owner didn't have that. One may not have those programs. They could be expensive, especially before they had subscription services. They would be thousands of dollars a year. Right. And then the skills, it took me several semesters in college, you know, mastering it to get it to be able to be easy and flow easy to use that software. So I, I, that's why I decided to go on the Canva side because I realized that pretty much everything that you could do in Photoshop for the average, you know, business owner that they would want to create and do could be done just as easy and just as high end in the Canva platform, which is probably against a lot of graphic designers like philosophy. And they're like, oh, Canva. But this is what we need as business owners, fast, easy things, no egos. So that's where it went that way. Yeah. And we design, you know, most of our products are designed in a very thorough way, whether it's on PowerPoint or using Adobe. But like this social media side and the marketing side and the email side, we kind of just need those things really quick. So I'm, as much as I really want to make sure my products are designed perfectly, like Canva is such an easy way for me to get the quick stuff out. And I don't honestly, I'm, I don't even worry about the design in Canva. I think that everything looks pretty good and it's improved a lot in the last few years. Um, and having templates is pretty helpful too. 100%. Yep. Yeah, we so we found you. Well, I found you originally. We were kind of talking about this before, but on a Facebook ad that you had going on, and I was like, "Oh, what are?" Normally, I I don't click on the marketing Facebook ads because they drive me crazy. But it was like, "Oh, templates for for email opt-ins." I was like, "What?" And so I clicked on there, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, these would be really helpful." And so I bought your email opt-in templates, and. I'm pretty good with Canva. I use it a lot, but I also was like, okay, I don't really know like how to use these. I didn't know about the folders or any of that stuff. So being able to watch your videos too was super cool because that showed me that and Angie helped me a little bit because she's a little bit better with tech than I am. But it was nice to have that all in one place so that I could, you know, start just dragging and dropping template pages, which I didn't know I could do before. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do in there um, as it gets going. So I'm glad that was easy for you. And it's so easy. And I, I like that you can do it almost from anywhere too. Like what if you have Photoshop, you'd have it downloaded on your main computer. But, you know, I do Canva on my iPad Pro or, you know, as I'm 
sitting there waiting for my kids at softball practice or whatever. So it's nice that they're all right there and I can just like use them anywhere instead of have to have that, that big clunky program on the computer. Definitely. Yeah. Cause you do a lot of your social media on your phone, like your social media images on your phone, right? Yeah. And I was making templates from before and it definitely makes it so much easier, but now I just love having all of Sarah's templates because then it gives me kind of some of that graphic design that I didn't have originally. So now I can really plug things in and, and make them look similar, but not exactly the same and kind of try to mix it up. They're just super helpful. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You know, I think everybody gets held up no matter what, whether, you know, you have a fine arts degree or not in something or, or have an eye for design or not, no matter what, you can, everybody gets held up when it comes to layouts. It takes time. And so regardless of whether, you know, whether you create your own templates or, you know, found them elsewhere, having those things already laid out and structured for yourself just is a, such a huge time and saving so that you don't have to think about, because when you're doing your copy and, and the, the stuff that's going to be in there and have to design it, those are two different sides of the brain. And so it's a total mind scramble to anybody because those sides of the, most of us don't work in both sides of the brain, right? Um, we're more like lean tied one side or the other. And so, yeah, it's good. Yeah. One of the things I did the other day, like I was telling you before, was that I was making a pamphlet for a district and I just like dragged and dropped images from my Canva folder that I had uploaded from before and then just copied and pasted from my website and then had this five page document ready to send to a district in like 15 minutes. And I would have normally have spent like an hour just trying to do the original design for it. And so it saved me a lot of time. You go, girl. That's fantastic. Yeah. Anything that can save time is just such a huge win. I think we all have so many things to do between our families and our businesses and other things, just trying to enjoy life, right? In addition. So that's fantastic. That's a huge win a few minutes. So one of our big struggles is that we get stuck in a rut when it comes to what to offer our email subscribers. Mainly, we do a lot of offering of a free resource from our shop or a sample of one of our product lines, which are great opt-ins to try to get people interested in that specific product line. But we know that there are way more ideas out there. Can you give us some of your ideas for types of email opt-ins? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, I mean, if you Google give me ideas for email opt-ins. You're going to get probably a hundred different things that are going to come up, right? So we can talk about those, but I really would like to actually dig in. I kind of reverse engineer it instead of, oh, I think I'm going to create a cheat sheet or I think I'm going to create an ebook. Instead, what I, I recommend to do when you're looking at what is it that I need to deliver to build this email list, instead of just looking at it at the, the email list, reverse engineer what you're trying to sell. And so um, you'll call this, many will call it a value ladder. And in a typical value ladder, the first thing would be the freebie product. The next thing might be the entry product, which could be anywhere from $7 to $47. Uh, and some people might only have that, you know, um, but many of you might have bigger things like smaller breakouts and then bigger bundles or things like that. So the next thing would be something like that, where it would be more of the core product, I'd call it. And that would be ranging anywhere from a typical conversions, say like anywhere from like 97 upwards of 197, 297, all of that up. And then even beyond that, some people have something where it's like a big VIP package where it might be a custom thing that you do. And that could be thousands of dollars, right? And so someone may not have all of those pieces of their value ladder. It might be just the first one or two, but still looking at that value ladder and saying, okay, what am I actually, what does this customer need to get first 
in order for them to trust me enough or to ask the questions enough or feel frustrated enough to need the next item um, to be able, you know, that will lead them into the actual entry product or the core product. And so when you look at your core product and see what it is, many times that will kind of start to give you ideas of, okay, well, what is the missing link here that those questions they're going to have to need to come in? So maybe it is like a, a check, a resource guide of, you know, the different places to, you know, source images for teacher type things. Or maybe it is going to be a checklist of the different items that, you know, you would need to be able to create a five month plan for your students or something like that. Maybe it's a journal that's going to help um, somebody be able to put everything together for their classroom or for their students. But it's going to depend on what that actual product is that will dictate it so that it leads them appropriately into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And and I kind of stumbled upon just something similar a few years ago when I originally was just kind of giving out random short resources as samples. And then I decided to do something that was a guide Mm -hmm. for project-based learning. And that did really well. It got me way more subscribers than I was getting before because people were looking for guidance with it. And then of course that led to all of my products on the topic. So I think definitely looking at where they're going to end up is really important. And we always tell people that they need to have like a signature product line that leads to like a big bundle so that they have something more expensive to sell so that they are getting people in their email list and eventually selling that bigger product. There you go. I think what you make for it is really important because if it's not if it doesn't lend itself to that bigger product, then they're not going to have much reason to purchase it. Right. Yeah. It's developing that trust factor along the way. And really, once you get into also within these, what I'd recommend is it's there's a way to also see kind of what's going to convert. It's like you put something out and nobody's grabbing. No, there's no interest in it. It's a good kind of way to see what's happening with your audience. And then again, you know, you got to have people going through to really be able to test that and see that. But I think Amy Porterfield's a great example of this. If you don't follow her, she's a great one when it comes to list building and eBooks and all of those things. Oh yes. We're big fans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On her site, if you look at it, she's been changing some stuff around recently, but it used to be that she had three entry points in basically. And I think she has like three products and both of all three of them would lend to one of those opt-ins. And so it said, I need, I'm, I think one of them was like kind of in the beginner phase. The next one was in like an intermediate and the next one was like in somebody that had been doing a business for a while. And so it had call to actions on the actual thumbnails to grab. It basically led the customer when they first came to her site in the right direction that fit for them. And so when they would, they would see all these three options for freebies and they were so distinguishedly different that they knew immediately which category they fit into. And so then they can go opt into that. And then, you know, that particular one will lead them then into whatever that product was for that particular person in that funnel. So you can do that. Yeah. And that's, that, and that's super important, I think, because we had, we were just having a few people ask us about how to figure out who your email audience is, like what grade level they teach. Mm -hmm. So like, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, that'd be really cool to have an email opt-in that gives the choice between like, if you're a third grade teacher, a fourth grade teacher, or a fifth grade teacher. And it could even have the same resource, but just so that they would opt in through the correct 
way, but most of my resources are leveled. So I never know how to offer free stuff because I don't have any that are in a a range. They're always a specific grade level. So that kind of just sparked an idea for me. And that way you know. That's brilliant. Segmenting them right away instead of having to try to figure out what grade they teach after they already opt in. I was just on Amy's site the other day too. And I was looking at how she had the three different ways that you could opt in. And I thought it was really interesting for us too, because a lot of times we have, we might have this one product line that is, you know, really great for people that want to play games in their classrooms with students. But then, you know, the other product lines we might have might not be anything like that because we teach so many different subjects, especially in elementary, like we are teaching math, science, social studies, reading, everything. And so we have all different types of resources that, you know, maybe having some sort of option there where they could kind of, when they get to your site of what type of opt-in that they're interested in. Cause I know I have multiple opt-ins already on my site and maybe just making them easier for people to find and be able to maneuver through to find exactly what they need. A hundred percent. No, that's brilliant. And the different ideas that you guys gave, regardless of, let's say that you do have different age categories, right? So then they can opt in and it segments them out right away. But another thing is, like you said, it may be that it's a teacher and she is going to teach all of those things. So how does she choose, right? So I would just make sure that I probably wouldn't do more than maybe three uh, take the expert's advice, kind of like hey, how Amy has it, right? Um, because when there's lots of options, it creates confusion, right? And the confused buyer never buys. And so we don't want them to think, oh my gosh, where do I go in here? So just make sure that those call to actions of those those ebooks or those cheap, you know, whatever it is, those opt-ins are very clear on what category it is. So maybe it's like, I'm looking for arts and or I'm looking for crafts for my students, or I want to get more creative with my students. And then another one would be something, you know, in terms of math and then something in terms of science. And so the person knows kind of where, where they're trying to go right now. And then what an option, once the email goes out, I've seen many times a lot of successful entrepreneurs do this, which I think is a fantastic hack is that if the person opting in actually probably does need all of the resources, don't force them to come back through and have to redownload all the other ones again. Instead in that email, once it shoots out, you can say, okay, here's, you know, you know, option one, whatever they chose, but to make, you know, um, here's all my other free things on my site to make it easy for you in one place. And it goes through in that email so that they are getting the other things, but you segmented it off right in the beginning, you know, if it makes sense this way. And then if you have an email provider CRM that has the clickable segmenting, like some um, different email companies will actually have it when someone clicks a link, it will segment them again. And so ConvertKit. Yes, ConvertKit does that. Yeah, I use that a lot. Mm -hmm. So like when I link to certain resources, I always tag them. So if I link to the third, fourth, and fifth grade version of a resource in a sale email, then I always tag anyone who clicks the third one is tagged as third. Anyone who clicks the fourth is tagged as fourth. And But I still am like, only got maybe 20% of my list who I have identified what grade level they teach. And it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they change too. Like teachers are moved around every year. So yeah, that's a good point. That is true. Yeah. So if it's actually something where it actually has the, it's a way to test it then and see if it has the different freebies. Here's their first one they chose. And then the other ones below it, you can see if they come back and actually choose those other resource guides. Cause it's actually giving, there's a reason for them to click it versus 
versus trying to give you feedback back, which we all wish in a perfect world, our customers would give us the feedback we asked for, but instead it's kind of tricking them into giving you the feedback and giving them value in return. Exactly. Yeah. I love that idea. That's great. So one of the things I guess we're really struggling with um, is when we have multiple opt-ins, the time that it takes to create multiple opt-ins when we have very limited time as it is. So can you kind of walk us through the process of using a Canva template to make an email opt-in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So with this, I want to actually kind of step back a little bit. I mentioned Amy earlier and believe it or not, Amy was a big part of the reason that I came up with this idea. I actually met her and this will this will uh, circle around in a second to your question. It'll make sense. I actually met her at a Facebook ad course. Um, it was a small intimate event, I don't know, two years ago. And I was at that point overwhelmed because I had so much to create. It was taking me so long, just like you're saying here. So I was talking to her and she said, Sarah, it should like take you less than a day to create one of these. Like if you're taking a week to create one of these, you're just, you're killing yourself. That's not how it's supposed to be done. It's not meant to take this long. So that's when I went home and I was like, well, she has a team. She just must be out of like touch of reality at this point or something. She <laughs> And um, I said, okay, but what if that's I- That's what we always tell ourselves when <laughs> right. we can't get something done. <laughs> so, but luckily um, I thought more into it and I said, okay, well, this is what she's telling me. At some point she didn't have a team, right? She's got to be smart enough to be telling me this for a reason. So I said, what if I created something that was as if I had a team? And that's where the templates come in, right? And so if you create something where it's already done for you, um, where it's wireframed out, where it's a template that already has the different kind of columns and layouts and flows that you could plug anything into regardless of what it is. You already have a couple of different cover designs done that, you know, you can say, okay, this time I'm going to make this cover have this picture on it. This time I'm going to make this cover have this picture on it. But it all looks the same as far as starting out, but you don't have to think about the design each time. It's as if you have a whole team of virtual assistants behind you and it can save you so much time in the process when it comes to the design. And because many times what we need to be doing is focusing on the actual content that goes in it. The design is an important part, but the actual written stuff, the stuff we're going to put in it, the meat and potatoes of the the thing that they're going to be um, getting from you is the content. And so if we burn ourselves out on trying to figure out the layout, many times we can end up, you know, not over delivering when it comes to the actual content in it because we're so tired or vice versa. We can end up, you know, putting being maybe we're really good at the content and the copywriting. But then once we get over to the design side, we're like, oh, I've already spent two, three days on this. I don't have any energy to make this look good. And then we stop in our business. So that allows you to be, if you have a template, if you wireframe it out is what I call it, then it's no excuse. You just go in and effortlessly can copy and paste this information from what you created, maybe in a Word document, which is what I always suggest when you're doing this stuff. Never write the content in Canva. Always go over and write it in like a Word document or you know a Google Doc and create the essentially the wireframe of the copy of the content over there, the sections of it, how it's going to be, the headers, the you know the different um, items, bullet points, and then when you come over to Canva, you know kind of the layout you need to find to make that content fit in. So then if you have a couple of templates where it's already the different things, you have one for a checklist, you have ones for a cheat sheet flow, you have ones where it's kind of a resource style with different image blocks where you put the text in, then you can literally say, okay, that one's going to work for this page. 
that one's going to work for this page. And then you just copy and paste without really having to think much. So that's that's one of the beauties of having templates, things done for yourself ahead of time. Um, and Canva definitely makes it easy for that because you can just quickly put the pages together without having some massive beefy file that makes it, you know, that Adobe um, InDesign in some ways would make it kind of challenging to go about that. But Canva makes it so easy to be able to kind of just copy and paste the pages together. Yes. And I think it got so much better. They recently did an update where they added all the folders on the side. And so you have folders of documents and folders of images, and that made it a million times easier to navigate. And I love the branding colors. So I have my branding set up. I have two websites. So I have different, actually three, if you count the podcast website. So I have all the colors that we use for those three websites set up as different brand sets. And so basically all I have to do is I'll load up one of your templates. I'll pick the page I want, drag it over, and then I'll just change the colors using the ones that are that are pre-populated on the top for whatever brand I'm working on. And then I just have to paste the text in and change the headings and I'm done. And that's amazing. (laughs) Such a huge time saver. Totally. Having your brand done. And that's another thing. It doesn't have to be some fancy brand, but just knowing, okay, these are my three colors I use, or these are my two colors I use. These are the three types of fonts I use. And committing to that, commit yourself. I know that's hard sometimes, but you know, brands have a lot of, re- you know, positive things to it. We won't get into branding on this call, right? But one of the biggest benefits for the the business is the time savings because you don't have to think about what color do I need to make that that button or that bolded header text. You know, if your brand is pink and or, you know, pink and black, then you know that 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 header is going to be pink, you know, or black. And so it makes it really time saving for you to do that. So I definitely agree with you on that. Those different little things, having your brand set, writing out your document over somewhere else, and then plugging it over just makes it so fast and efficient to be able to bust those um, documents out in Canva for sure. So you talked about all the different Type, you were talking a little bit about the different types of pages that you have in the template pack, but w- are there any that are super important that you should make sure to add to your opt-in? You know, like the about me page, like you must, must have that or, you know, any of the others? Yeah. So I, the first thing I, you know, we will talk about is like kind of the cover page, obviously um, that it can be an important element. I have seen in some cases though, where, you know, once it's downloaded, you know, the cover is not actually in the download, which I don't really understand the point of that if you've made it to put on a sales page somewhere. But if that's, you know, I have seen it where sometimes there isn't even a cover page. But that cover page image that's going to be, let's say, on the opt-in page somewhere or, or on the call to action, if you do have a picture of that, then it is important that that headline is going to, to resonate, right? And so I had many times, sometimes the content inside of it, those next couple of pages, this is kind of a tangent, but it does relate. Um, those next couple of pages could stay the same, but that title on that cover page, you might end up tweaking it once or twice, depending on like whether, you know, that, that headline creates conversion or not. Um, That's something I wanted to actually mention is depending on, you know, let's say that somebody isn't really opting into something and you're like, well, you know, they must just not like this. Before you go and change everything inside of it, change the title of it. 
and see if that changes the conversion factor because the title of the copy can really completely change the conversion rate of somebody opting in, which is something interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that happens a lot too in our businesses when we put a product out there and and sometimes it's not very popular, but then you change the name of the product to be more specific to like test prep or whatever it's, it might also be used for, and then it gets sales. So Mm -hmm. that we kind of encounter that a lot. So I like that idea of, of, you know, taking a second look at if you have an email opt-in that's not converting great and just try to change the name or, or make it more specific to the people you're trying to get. A hundred percent or change, you know, change the colors or change the image or something on that cover if you're showing that. So play with those little tweaks, do one thing at a time, never multiple things because, you know, then it's like a science experiment. You can't really see what was the thing that change the conversion. If you change too many things, then it muddies it up. So just, you know, start with one thing at a time. Now, um, as far as the following pages, so I always do recommend to have the next page in it be kind of an about style. And there's a couple different scenarios here. If you're more of a personal brand and you want to let someone know more about you, and this is a great way to do it right here. And some people don't want to show that personal side to them, which I'll discuss in a second. But if you are going that direction, which I do highly recommend, it doesn't always work in some cases in some businesses, but it's a great way to one, you know, let them know about you a little bit, have it so that they understand the person behind the business that's giving them this stuff, create that trust factor. Again, you know, through this, you're going to be creating that trust factor for them. If they, you know, feel that they trust you and they get small wins from this, they're going to be more opt to come back and buy your stuff. And so being you and showing you in that first page is fantastic. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can just be a short little story about why you created this or something that you saw that how this changed your business or somebody else's. And having a picture of yourself right there is fantastic if it's appropriate. Next, up if you're not going more of that personal you know, brand side and you are really not showing the face of yourself in it, sometimes it's not appropriate to do that. Let's say that this was an actual journal that someone downloaded that was um, going to be really about that person. And maybe it isn't appropriate for it to be all the all about you show on that first page. And so instead that first page, instead of having it be about the author page, it can be more about, okay, about this what you just are about to download, okay, about this cheat sheet, about this resource guide, about this ebook. And it can go through a little bit about what they can expect in the upcoming pages, what they expect to get out of it, and all of that. And you can, instead of a picture of yourself, you can put a cool little picture of, you know, something inspirational, a flat, a beautiful flat laid photography, you know, desktop or something like that. So that's what I would do. I always think that page is, is really vital. And then at the very end, is the last page I always recommend to have kind of a closing page. And it can be, you could call it a call to action page. You could call it, you know, a thank you page, depending on, but that's where you can kind of recap, you know, what they just went through, how excited you are for them. And if you didn't talk about yourself on that first about about page, that's where you can come in at the end and it might be a little bit more appropriate. So I prefer always to have the first page about me because I am more of a lifestyle personal brand business. But if I wasn't, I might do more on that first page, the about page about what they're going to get. And then at the end, talk about myself a little bit. So do you think that it would be best if they're selling a larger product to include that in the beginning or in the end? Hmm. Well, it's a split test, I think. Um, I don't think you should be. We always struggle over that. Do we, will they even see it if it's at the end? If it's at the beginning, will it turn them off? Mm -hmm. Well, they've already opted in at this point, right? 
And so you already have their email. You can always retarget them. You can always send them more information. And so at this point, I think it is important to really develop that trust factor for them. But I mean, it's going to depend on on your personality. I don't think there's a yes or right or wrong answer to this. But at the same time, being too forward too soon when they literally don't even know who you are yet on that first page might be better to wait off toward the end. But that also brings me to this point. So the amount of content inside of it, I find that a lot of times when people are first starting out and creating their first opt-ins and stuff, they get so excited and they're like, oh, I want to put all this content and I have all these ideas. And it becomes this massive resource that nobody can get through the first two or three pages of because it's ginormous. It not not only took them a month to create, it's full of incredible content, but they probably could sell it on a bookshelf. It's so big. And it creates it so that the person who opted in doesn't get that win, isn't able to accomplish what's in it. Even if it's fantastic, they never end up getting through all the content because they say, oh, I'm going to have to come back to this later because I don't have time right now. Look at this. And so what I recommend on any of these types of opt-ins, especially like freebies and cheat sheets and checklists, is to actually only have it a couple pages long um, if you can. You know, maybe 10 pages is the most long. You could even have something as short as like a few pages, like, you know, three to five. But within it, whatever it is, is that it has a really quick win for them. And so if they can get a win out of whatever you just gave them, whether it's being like, okay, here's a bunch of resources that I can go click through now and find whatever these things are that I need for my classroom. Or here is a quick little checklist that I need to set up to be able to be efficient in the morning with my with my students. If it's something really easy, find a way to make whatever that is really easy. It does, you don't have to give them everything right now. That's what your actual product's for, right? So instead, find a way to give them a quick win that doesn't take them that long so that they will be successful with whatever that is in that. And then when they get are successful with that easy, quick, simple thing to do, they translate that as, wow, she's amazing. She just helped me do this. I wonder what else she can help me do. And so that's really important for those, those middle pages. And then obviously at the end, do have those call to actions to your other, your other sites, to your, your social media channels, and feel free to have another page where it's about the products you sell. I don't think there's something it's wrong to have that. Usually I would, you know, have one specific direction that I'm sending them, you know, that ebook probably related or that cheat sheet probably related to one product. So send them to that one product. But yeah, so that's kind of how I would go about the flow of that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like everything that you were saying right there was speaking to me because I'm like in the middle of creating mine. And it's definitely I'm the queen of make everything harder than it needs to be. And so (laughs) right now, I feel like I'm at like 20 pages long, and it's going to be so great. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm thinking, how can I cut this down and make it like really (laughs) valuable, but not like, kill me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm the same way. Believe, trust me. I am the same way. People make fun of me and people who know me because they're always like, Sarah, that's like way too much information they're giving people. You don't need to give people that much information. Even in my own like, you know, courses and stuff, yeah. I over deliver. And you know, it's one thing when it's the actual product you're selling and stuff, you want to make it easy for people. But in that first part, yeah, find ways to do the quick win and they're going to be happy no matter what you've given them, as long as you can see, okay, this is an easy thing for them to accomplish. They're going to get a win out of this. You know, that's when they can go to your blog and see the other stuff you put in there and and whatnot. Now, it's going to depend on what you're creating. Obviously, if it's like a, a resource guide to like the top 10 websites to whatever, 
then fine, you know, you know, it might be a bigger thing because that's an easy thing anyway. They're going to scan and click on the places that are the links that they they need. But yeah, make it easy on yourself. And, and, and by making it easy on yourself and it gets out there faster, you can serve people faster, you might end up tweaking it once or twice, right? So I'm really not a fan of, this sounds probably bad, but making it perfect in the beginning. You can go back and make it look prettier later. You can go back and, you know, add a little bit more content later or change something or take something out. But the most important part is that one, the message resonates with your customer. So they're, they're opting in. And the second part is that they're getting that, that simple win where they're not feeling overwhelmed and they, they can accomplish something out of getting that from you. Definitely. So let's talk lastly about marketing the opt-ins. I'm sure you have some great ideas since you hooked me and Angie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what, what would be the best way to share about the free resources or opt-ins that we're that we've created in order to get teachers to opt in and and get our free resource and get their email. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, there's a couple different avenues you can go, right? And so, you know, some people may know ads and stuff, which is a great, I think every business owner should at some point learn the basic of Facebook ads, but that isn't necessarily what you need to be doing in the beginning. Don't kill yourself on that. And don't feel stressed if you don't understand that. You can still get options even without that. That's going to flood in people a little bit faster, but there's other ways to do it as well. Pinterest is a huge resource uh, for, you know, it's basically a search engine, we call it, you know, it used to be thought of as a uh, social media platform, but it's not, it's a search engine. And so it blows me away when I see how many views and hits and links that are being clicked when it comes to Pinterest for many small businesses. I mean, when I'm hearing some of these numbers from starting off business owners that really don't understand much of the analytics of the web yet, you know, they're just starting out, they're just learning, but they're getting success from people clicking through those things to their website. That's, in, that's amazing. And it's free to do that, right? And so that is one avenue where you can, you know, click it or create something in Pinterest and then that links them over to your blog. And inside your blog, you know, there's two ways this this could go, right? So the Pinterest post could be going directly to the opt-in if it's strong enough. And I would test it both ways. Honestly, I'd create two pins. I have one go directly to the opt-in and I have another one go directly to the blog, um, which would be called ungated content, meaning they don't have to do anything to unlock it. So they're going to go to the blog and it gives them some, you know, you know, some information about whatever that Pinterest post was. And then inside the blog is the embedded like icons or images, which are called like content upgrades that they can click to get that freebie that relates to whatever that blog post was, right? And so many times people will embed that within um, the blog post itself. So it might be a couple times that image between the paragraphs. There's other people where they use sidebars. And so there might be it on the sidebar of your website as well, um, where it's an image that relates to that particular category of blog posts that could be shown. And it can be done both ways as well. And so that's one way we're coming through Pinterest. And like I said, I I would have a pin going directly to whatever that freebie ended up being. So it would be a little bit different, whatever that pin was, or that um, post was on Pinterest. And then one that would take them to the blog itself. And then within the blog, they click the image to go to the opt-in. So that's a fantastic, easy flow of a way to do it and get people from both ways, see which one is working best, see which one's converting best, and then, you know, for your audience and then put more of that kind of stuff out there. And you can do that all day long with different blog posts that you put out. And then another way would also be 
you know, Facebook groups and stuff like that obviously are a fantastic place to do it as well. You have to be careful if it's not your Facebook group because you don't want to be spammy. Um, You don't want to get kicked out. You don't want to be seen that way. (laughs) We've mentioned that before Uh in in the podcast. Yeah. So you have to be really careful. People are smart now. You know, a couple years ago, it used to be, you know, you could trick somebody into that, but you don't want to start off your business that way with a relationship with somebody. But I have seen ways that are really delicate where, you know, you do get to know people. People ask, hey, I'm looking for resources resources in this. And if it's appropriate for you to say, Hey, I have a free resource here. You know, you can check it out if you want. You know, if someone's actually asking the question that is successful, I've clicked through things like that. And I've been appreciative of things like that. So there's a, there's a way to go about it that isn't spammy as long as the question's been asked. Um, and then don't go and harass the person or Facebook private message them, you know, just be like, Hey, if you want it, here it is, you know, and whatever happens happens at that point. I think people appreciate that. I definitely agree. And I think Pinterest is probably the easiest way for people who are new to get people's eyes on it because like you said, it's search engine. So especially if you're creating something for a niche that's not really highly represented, then you're going to be a lot easier to find on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would say that for the newer people, that would definitely be the best way like to get your stuff out there. And I would put the time into that. Uh, I think for the more experienced people, Pinterest is still awesome. You should definitely still do that. But a lot of us already have an audience. So if you already have an audience, it's just a matter of sending them an email saying, Hey, here it is. You know, I don't, don't have to make them opt in again, but Hey, I just add another resource. And that just gives them another opportunity to see your, you know, whatever free resource you just made without having to opt in again, and but also being reminded that, hey, you have this product too that goes with it. And then like social media too, because I have a lot of social media followers who are not on my email list because they only, only what, like 1% of people see your post now on Facebook. So I think that is pretty powerful. I know that you have Pinterest templates too, which is pretty awesome. So you could probably just drag and drop the picture of the free resource into one of your Pinterest templates. Cause I think I saw one of the Pinterest templates is like an arrow to a picture and then you just drag and drop the cover of the resource. Yeah. That's a way to do it for sure. You can have it where it's like directly saying, Hey, go here and you can get that. And it's a visual. Yeah. Those are all great ways. Another way that I would recommend a couple other social media ones, and then feel free to interject. Um, cause I know you guys have good ideas on this too, is depending on what site you're on, you know, use the power of that, use the power of where your audience hangs out. If you're on, on Instagram, a lot of people like the Instagram stuff, right? So I I think that's, it's been talked about probably a lot. I'm sure you guys have addressed it, but there's this place for you to put a link when it comes to um, something for your website in your Instagram profile. So instead of sending them to your website, send them to that freebie. Because they already can see what your website is when they see it. It's going to say, you know, www.thenameofyourbusiness.com slash whatever. Um, So they can go over to your website. They still can see what it is. But instead of putting the link directly to the website, put it directly to that freebie. I think Jasmine Starr, if anyone follows her, she's a photographer. She does this really wisely where she says, I don't ever change my freebie. And she has one, you know, but for somebody that has multiple, it could send them to the um, start here page of your website where it has the, the three. Amy Porterfield actually used to do that where it would say, you know, start here. And on that tab, it really didn't have anything but the three opt-ins. Which ones, which category are you in? So in that Instagram profile link, you could actually put that there and it sends them to the start here area of your website to grab one of those, those freebies. Um, and then in your different Pinterest posts or your highlights or your stories, 
occasionally when it's appropriate, you know, you're not going to always send people there, but you know, you can say, Hey, you know, it's up there and just leave it there and use that as a, a driving traffic to build your email list. Another way is YouTube. So YouTube is a fantastic place too. That is a search engine essentially. And you can search when you Google something, you know, you can see immediately on the first page of Google, whether there's any videos that are related to that. And if it's a really niche down market, there may not be any videos yet related to what you're talking about. And so you can get on the first page of Google within like an hour or two, if you have the right uh, header, and it's going to show the video without them even clicking video in Google. It'll just show it on that area because it's it's categorizing and is one of the first things that are showing up on the web related to that. And so the video can be something short and sweet or whatever, a training or uh, whatever it is that might relate to your business, you'd have to think about that. But then within that, you can have a link to to send them to the freebie as well. And so that's a really powerful way that's kind of like Pinterest, a little bit different if you're more of a video, video style business, it doesn't fit everybody, but there are creative ways that you can go about and do it. Even if it's a podcast, you know, have your podcast, the audio there, and in the podcast have the link that sends them to the appropriate place. Definitely. Those are all awesome ideas. Oh, I had one more suggestion <laughs> that I thought of. Oh, please. I was gonna I was gonna add one, but I wanna wait because I wanna hear what you have to say. So outside of social media, we have to think about the fact that if we're teachers here, if we're talking about teachers, there might be some really kind of old school methods that you could still go about utilizing to get people on your list. And so one could be a business card where on your business card actually has the link to the free resource. And so if you do happen to be talking to somebody, and I've had this many times where people just talk to me and I'm not trying to sell my business or anything. It's just conversation starts or you know somebody else says something about it. And it's like, oh yeah, here's my, um, my card. The link's there. You can just go grab that free resource. It'll help you. And so that's a way also to be able to just in normal life, when it's appropriate, make it really just easy, not only for yourself, but the client to be able to go and quickly go grab that resource, especially if you hang out in networking circles locally, different communities. That's a good way, kind of old school, but still works. And the same with flyers. So if you have flyers that are printed in a local teacher store or on you know, a bulletin board somewhere where it's allowed to be and it would make sense, that link in there could have the link to the freebie. So there are kind of those different methods too outside of social media that we have to always remember still works and exists. Yeah, we have a lot of people that get booths at teaching conferences. And I think those are really good ideas for those situations as well. Um, because I know that that those are pretty powerful because you have, you know, sometimes hundreds or a thousand of uh, teachers coming by your booth over the, the day of the conference, which is pretty cool. Yeah, there you go. You know, have an area where they can sign up to get those resources or have that freebie, some type of thing that they can win by signing up to your email list and say, hey, when you sign up, I'm going to send you these resources, but you also have a chance to win one of these bundles. And so it's giving lots of value there where it's not just like, oh, I'm going to be on your email list, but you start talking to somebody one-on-one, you're developing that rapport, that trust factor, just by having, you know, being face-to-face is a huge win over just, you know, being behind a computer screen. And so you have the capability to create that trust factor much more faster and that rapport. And so if you, you just naturally, you know, kind of what's probably going to come up and you could say, Hey, you know, I have some resources that would really probably help you. I know you got to go and look at the other booths. So if you want to, an easy way is just to, you know, opt put your information here, throw it in the box. We're giving away something today. And then I'll make sure that those resources get sent out to you. So 
That's a great idea. And I, what I was going to say is, um, as far as marketing on social media goes, I've been, I'll just make the pin uh, for the free resource that I'm offering. And then I use Canva. I have the paid version, which isn't that expensive, but one of the features of the paid version is that it'll auto resize it to, there's like, I don't know how many options there are, like 20 different social media sizes. So all you have to do is click the drop down and then you click like, okay, I want to make this into an Instagram. I want to make it into a Facebook ad size. And I'll just click all the ones that I want to use. And then you have to do a, a few little tweaks, but it essentially makes me images and all the social media in like less than five minutes. And that way I can just schedule them out. And I don't have to design something new each time I make a like a different sized image. Like I don't need multiple files. It's just really convenient. Yeah. That's fantastic. That resize feature. And you can actually do it as a custom resize too. They have it where it makes it easy for you just to click on whichever boxes that you want it to convert the size to. But if you have something in particular you want, you can actually, not everybody notices it, but it is there. And if you click custom resize, you can go in and change it to the exact size that that you want, which makes it really nifty too. And then with that new folder option that's in the new Canva 2.0 version that they just launched, you can take whatever the ones that you created somewhere else, those files, and then say you have a different size document open like a, a square image, but you had created an ebook somewhere else. You can actually go in and say, drop this you know, into here and it will resize it that way too. Awesome. Yeah. This camera is super awesome. They have really come up with some cool features in the last couple of years. And I, I've had my paid version of it forever. I can't, I don't even know when I signed up for it, like two or three years ago, but um, it's well worth it in my opinion. Although you can do most of the things we talked about today on the free version because Angie, you're on the free version, right? I upgraded about a year ago. So oh, you I did. was okay. on the free version, but I couldn't, there were a few things that I really wanted that I couldn't do on the free version. Like the branding, my fonts and the branding and stuff like that. So, and the resizing to, yeah, it was worth it to me. Yeah. To sign up. Yeah. I think it's super worth it. And it saves you a lot of time too, but you can edit templates and all that jazz just on the basic version. Yeah. But yeah, I love it. Canva is my go-to now. It is crazy what they've done. And I was up until a couple years ago, I was kind of snobby against it. And then, you know, when I was looking for something to create stuff fast, I was like, this is perfect. And so I am all for the program. And I think it's fantastic what they're doing to really empower small business owners to be able to create stuff fast. Because in all honesty, um, you know, for somebody to go out and hire a graphic designer to create something for all these different elements that we have in our business when more than likely the stuff's probably going to change at some type point. We're split testing things. We're changing covers. We're changing images. We're quickly putting out things on the fly. Um, Most business owners at some point, great. If you can hire on a graphic designer at some point, fantastic. Kudos to you. Kudos to the graphic designer. We all need them for something at some point. But when you're first starting out to do that, that budget where I've honestly can say that a lot of times the resources that would be created custom, if you can't edit it, you know, if it's in some fancy program, creates more frustration and can be more cost waste of money than it's worth when you're first starting out in that first uh, year or so. And so I think it's important for business owners to be able to find tools that can can bring that overhead down, help them learn and and play and change things on the fly without having to call someone up. And then once you have your system down, if it's appropriate, sure, go hire a VA or someone to do it. But 
And Canva actually makes it really easy for that too. Once you have all your stuff done, you can just pass it off to somebody and they don't even have to have any kind of uh, knowledge when it comes to design. If you have everything already done, they can just go in there and change the stuff. Yeah. They can just use the template. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have my Canva share with the person that does my social media. So she has access to all my templates for my blog posts, my Instagram, my, um, all my pins so that if I need her to go in and make something, she can just get in there and quickly make it. Super nifty. And Angie and I also, we both work on the the podcast. We take turns. So all our podcast images are shared. And so we can just go in there and, and edit the headline and, and export one real quick. And both of us have access to it. So it's pretty awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. It really helps with team stuff. It's, it's smart. Yeah. So we'll, we'll link to Canva for anyone who hasn't heard of it before, but I also want to mention how to find your templates because I think those are super valuable. And so if you visit Sarah at, we have a link through the podcast, which is growwithuspodcast.com slash templates, then you'll go automatically to her email opt-in templates. And she has a ton of other templates, Pinterest and which one were you just using, Angie? That way it wasn't Pinterest or email. I was I was playing around with a bunch of them. I was using some Instagram ones and some Pinterest ones and um, yeah. definitely the ebook one was the one I, I started with and I was like, I, I need them all. So <laughs> then I yeah, upgraded. So that, that's the one I've been using the most. So that link will go straight to the, the ebook, you know, email opt-in one. So that's growthispodcast.com slash templates with an S at the end. And Sarah, we want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about this topic. I think that you will have inspired a lot of people. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been fun hanging out with you guys and fun with uh, hanging out with your uh, listeners. And yeah, anything that we can do to support each other to move our businesses faster forward with less frustration and overwhelm, I think is a huge win. So it's been a pleasure to hang out today. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sarah. Bye, Angie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's it for the Grow with Angie and April podcast. Make sure to rate and review so that this podcast can continue to reach teacherpreneurs around the globe. You can find the show notes and more about your hosts at growwithuspodcast.com.